we're Cameron. I'm John. This is Cameron. Welcome to Holy Puck, episode 29. You, you are listening to the best source of hockey news, views, and abuse, brought to you by Cheapskate Hockey. What is up, Cameron? Dude, I'm currently reading the comments on Lambgoat about the singer from Corn saying Sepultura ripped Corn off, and I'm fucking dying. Well, why wouldn't you be? How okay, many, all you how need many to know is are there? the best comment. The best comment on here. Corn is a gateway band to becoming a juggalo. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've, I've Sorry, got to close I just, this. I just my I've got ears. to close this, so we won't we won't get anything done. No, we'll just be lolling about. Wow, dudes overusing the f bomb. But all jokes aside, though, for those of you that don't frequent this website, if you, you are to. in any way, shape, or form interested in heavy music, you need to go to lambgoat.com. The news, hey, you can get it anywhere. The writing, you can get it anywhere. The comments page is still the single greatest source of literature ever published. <laughs> yeah. You can take take your catcher in the rye. Who needs to read to kill a mockingbird when you the outsider, just... <laughs> Stick it all up your ass and just read the comments on Lamb Goat. It'll kill you every time. Oh, I mean, I still I still marvel at the people who don't know what the hard times is. Oh, what? did you see the thing I sent you the other day from the Batuta Advocate? It's a yes. gaggle of six boys pretends to care about the AFL this week. Yes. Oh my god. Gaggle, did you see, did you see the, the search Sydney for the boys. Australia's most ordinary rig? Out of control. <laughs> I I feel like it's my mission now to introduce gaggle of Sydney fuckboys into as many conversations <laughs> as possible. Like I don't like I don't like saying fuckboy because I don't feel I'm cool enough to pull it out and it's been you know, it's been overused as it is. Well, but it's also been a term that's Sydney been around for years. That, that shit works for me. It does work. Um, to be fair, though, this the term fuckboy and just fuckboys in general, I feel like, are on the downward slide, thus making that comment way more hilarious. So, you know, kudos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a true convergence of all things good. <laughs> like a perfect symphony all at once. Oh, would you know what else was really good today? I don't know how how much um, baseball you got to catch today, but the Cubbies were able to knock the Giants out, which is good because the Giants have their whole even season we win uh, thing going on, and they didn't, and the Cubs have progressed, which is good for three reasons. One. Bill Murray's a Cubs fan, which we love. <laughs> big, big, big Bill Murray fans here here at Holy Park. Big Bill Murray. Uh, John Lester, former Red Sox pitcher, plays for the Cubs, so Cham is happy. Point three, though, the crying Jordan memes have been out of fucking control. Well, I the, see, the thing about the crying Jordan memes are is they are so incredibly topical, and if, they always nail it, right? There's I've never seen a bad one, right? And to the point that some people dislike them for being too quick, you know what I mean? Because they're so, like... It's within seconds of something like dudes have already got it ready that it's like bang. I don't yeah, know. I love it. And you know what? Anyone who has a problem with that, that tells me a couple of things. A, you don't respect efficiency in organization. That's no way to live. B, that you means have no you're a South Park fan because South Park pre-prep everything so they can be topical. Exactly, and it means that you have no sense of humor. So, you know, I don't think we can be mates. Please tell me you saw the one where Derek Rose, both of his knees were crying Jordan heads. Excuse me. Please tell me you saw the one of Mia Khalifa. Oh, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obvious meme is obvious. Anyway, let's stop. Someone, someone we've, said we've actually talked for four minutes about, about memes, you idiot. shirt rolling up and the bit of his gut that you could see under the <laughs> yeah, shirt. It was <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. 
Also, we've managed to babble for near on five minutes about memes, which I'm sure is excellent for those who are listening um, on well, the train. Well, people have told us they, they like are. our banter and our obvious chemistry, so whatever. And we've got great hair, which also helps. So, um, I feel like, you know, the preseason started. Preseason's wrapped up today. Fantasy starts tomorrow, a.k.a. the real season. Um, a.k.a. the Bruins bounce back, a.k.a. the Caps lose again. Um, so I think all yes, of the things are happening. I think it's it's a great time of year. Um, it's our favorite time of year. The first few weeks of hockey are out. Ben and I were talking about ridiculous multis today. Um, to the point, to the now point you're speaking my language. Exactly. So there are some days, we, dude. There are some days that there are 13 games on. Hello, 255 dollars payouts. That's all I'm saying. Well, tonight there's really only going to be two things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the people who were claimed off waivers in the last 24 hours. Um, along with the high-profile signings where the GMs have pulled the trigger, which is very cool. And we're going to talk our predictions for the season ahead. Um, and I do agree with you. This is the best time of year. October, for me, love it because you're into, you know, week five and six of the NFL. You're in full swing. College football's going off. Hockey's back. The NBA is about to start. Seriously, pretty much anyone other than my wife and children don't see me now until June. Mm, which is great. And to be fair, I'm, and I'm, I'm really happy with that because most of you are completely shit house. True. And the best thing is, and it gives you a great excuse to hang out with me every Wednesday or Thursday, and we can buy hot. John, hot I don't merch. need an excuse to hang out with you. You're fantastic. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, man. No worries, man. Oh, mate. Anyway, yeah. um, I think we should roll straight into the pickups, which we've already had a decent lull about off off air pre show. Um, but I think the big signings, um, pretty obvious. We there's there's a blog up on the website um, about this exact um, about this exact piece and how we were lolling about where the room is. And there's obviously an omission here, um, which is hilarious. But uh, so who who got picked up first, Cameron? I'll let you roll through with the news. All right. Well, what I want to knock off first is the biggest signing. So the Bolts were able to re-sign wing and Akita Kucherov today. And the fantastic thing about this deal, um, three-year deal worth a total of 14, 14 odd million dollars. GM Stevie Ironman Eisenman has got it done again. There was a lot of speculation as to what Kucherov was going to do. Um, he's obviously a proven playoff performer now. He was easily looking at a six-year, six million dollar range. Um, could have quite easily commanded that from the Bolts or any other team. He obviously likes the culture and what's going on in Tampa Bay. I think he's probably had a really good conversation with Stevie Eisenman and has accepted a bridging deal. And I believe the conversation would have gone along the lines of, look, let's sort you out on a bridging deal for this money. Once I've moved Ben Bishop on, once we've sorted out the Tyler Johnson situation, we know what we'll have to spend. We don't necessarily have to see a contract out the three years. We might be able to throw you an eight-year contract extension in 18 months and then lock you up long-term in the same way we did with Stamkos. Um, I think a bridging deal for pretty much any other team is a really bad idea, but I think Steve Eisenman has demonstrated that he can manage his cap, he can manage his players and keep them happy. So I think this is good for everyone. Yeah, I think... Um, I, I don't think it's a, definitely taking a, a pay cut at four and a half mil a year. I think the bridging deal is spot on, Cameron. Um, I, yeah. think, I think the next person also um, got the next guy on our list, obviously, Rissalainen at the Sabres signed a six-year $32.4 million deal, dollar deal, which works out to roughly five and a half mil a year. So relatively similar in uh, AKA the ballpark, some might say. 
So yeah, it's, it's... I mean, I'm into this deal as well. I think a lot of a lot of teams, a lot of agents, a lot of GMs all reference the um, Morgan Riley deal with the Leafs. I guess as something of a baseline, and I think he accepted 4.6 million over four years. So yeah, so 5.3 in the ballpark. Getting half a million above that and a little bit more term was probably expected because it was a weak defenseman's market. So yeah. and I think Buffalo. the Sabres have done well, and I think Ristolainen's got to be happy too. Yeah, I mean, and Buffalo really needed to secure. Him. It was. We spoke about this a couple of weeks back, where it was. It's a, almost a no-brainer slam dunk for them. They need to lock him down, otherwise he was walking for nothing, which was going to be ridiculous for them. So imagine, imagine being on the all-time goofs list, letting Ristolainen and walk for nothing, um, when all they had to do was yeah. throw it, throw an extra. Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, he's the best D-man. Like you've got a. Is he the best D-man in the league? No, no of course he's not. But he's is he worth not five mil? Yeah, probably. He's probably not even top twenty. But if he's your best D-man, you got to pay what you got to pay to stitch him up. It's yeah, which is that. obviously what they've done, and good on them. So obviously they read the blog. Um, <laughs> so um, the Flames. Uh, Johnny, up... Johnny Gaudreau would be oh, your he next did, that's man. Right. So the Flames finally stitched him up as well. Six years at forty point five million dollars. Um, Average annual value is 6.75, which puts him on par, I believe, with Giordano. So the Flames have been able to adhere to their ideological approach of no one oh, being yes. paid more than their captain. And that's kept you Johnny know, Hockey I actually kind of uh, respect happy. that. I respect that, you know, like the, the, the captain being, you know, the lifeblood and, I guess, life force of the team, a.k.a. the most paid, well-paid um, I think it's a, I think it's a good move. I think it's a hard line to take, but I think it also sets a cool like culture vibe as well. Like that, this is what yeah. what our expectations are, and this is how we're dealing with it. And you will be dealing with it if you want to be in this club. I reckon it's pretty mad. Like not many clubs Look, do that. I, that's what I'm saying. I agree with you because you know I love a you know the little guy, the underdog, the romantic storyline. Like that's a good vibe cool. move. That's, um, that's that's what it is. It's a vibe think- move. I think the one party who's really going to have a problem with this is going to be USA Hockey because I think they would have been <laughs> desperate for the face of American Hockey to come back to a dominant American club. Yeah. Um, like I think the Flames are this on the way up. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see them as a smoky in the playoffs this year. <gasps> Spoiler alert. But um, at the end of the day, Jesus. Calgary's still Calgary. It's still the Wild West of Canada. It's still a B market. Um, I think the US Hockey Power Brokers would have much rather have seen him in it a, um, you know, like an LA or a New York or a Chicago or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point there, Cameron. Um, so the next hey, one... B- before we get onto another deal, actually, can I just bring up a non-deal which made me fucking cackle? Uh, tell me more, Cameron. Christian Ehrhoff was on a PTO. <laughs> with I knew Bruin. you would say this. I knew it. <laughs> and he, he he played quite well to the point where they offered him a contract and they said, look, the deal's going to make you the seventh defenseman on the roster, but given that a competitive roster needs at least eight healthy D-men, if not ten, to allow for injuries and form slumps, like, he would have been getting games, he likely would have supplanted one of the top six, earned the role, blah, blah, blah. Erhoff's response was, no, I'm not taking that contract, I'm throwing my toys out of the cot and I'm going back to Germany. <laughs> well, a couple of dudes have done that in the last couple of weeks, actually. What a fuckhead, though. Like, what a <laughs> short-sighted, egotistical fuckwit, seriously. Like, I obviously know the Boston roster inside hockey. out. Our top six has flaws in it. Dare I say, from what we saw from him in the preseason, if he'd taken the gig, he would have earned his slot, and one of our stay-at-home defensemen, so Miller or McQuaid, likely would have been moved at some stage to make way for him. You fuckhead. 
go. I, you know, I, I actually, I think it's sort of kind of funny that like so many dudes are just like, no, nah, I deserve so much more. You need to pay me this much. And then the GMs are just like, no, nah. <laughs> that's just the best. Like, can you imagine well, how that meeting would go? The thing is, so the in, last three in, teams in Christian he's walks and he's Pittsburgh, like, oh. LA, Chicago, it's been dog shit. Well, can can you imagine how the combo would have gone? As, as Christian, you know, would have walked in and swept his blonde hair to one side and would have sat down and then all of a sudden they would have just been like, so we want to do, we want you to be number seven. Like we've got, you know, big plans. And he's like, yeah, I want to be number six. So they're like, nah. <laughs> sorry, man. Like he would have been laughed out of the office. Like that's, that's just how it is. Oh, the ego on him is ridiculous. Like off the top of my head, looking at that depth chart, you're looking at Chara, Crude, Miller, McQuaid, um, Joe Morrow, Colin Miller, John Michael Lyles, then you've got Brandon Carlo coming through, who's absolutely dominated as a prospect in the preseason. And then we've got Charlie McAvoy getting groomed in the minors. I'm like, mate, we've got much more affordable, better, younger guys than you, and they're still going to give you a go. And this is how you repay us? Get fucked. Well, I mean, let's look realistically here. Char is going to get injured in, like, what, five seconds. So he's going to be able to split time with Disagree. him. Disagree. He's going to be able to split time with Chara because they need to rest him up as much as they can anyway. I think it's a smart move. It should, it would have been a smart move for him to stick around because he would have been able to put himself in whatever slot he wanted and actually, you know, do something worthwhile as opposed to taking all of his bags and balls and packing up and going home. I'm going to say, though, I actually reckon Chara is going to have a corker of a season. Like, yeah, he's slower. But now he's acknowledged he's slower and he's addressed it and he's worked out how to alter his playing style. He was really fucking good at the Worlds. Well, I, I, I'm waiting to reserve judgment because I, di- I didn't see really much of Chara, so I'm happy to, to wait and see because I watch a lot of watch a lot of Bees games, unfortunately, Cameron. I reserve no judgment. I'm balls deep in this comment. I'm not surprised. You're balls deep in every comment about the Bees at the minute and to the point that hey. you're, you're tagging me in literally every short-sighted comment that you can find, which, by the way, has been many, let me tell you. Oh my god. Yeah, look. Look, I don't want to hear about the complaining, alright? Just enjoy what you're being given. Quality online content, Cameron. Um, so <laughs> Alright, let's, let's keep moving. Let's talk so about the Flames real quick. Like they, had some, they had some movements in the last couple of days. A couple you know, some well, of which are actually interesting. They picked up I, I like they picked up they your boy. And he yeah. rejected an Oilers offer to do it. <laughs> I think that's that's worthwhile and sidebar hilarious. I just wanted to hear that conversation. Like, I would love to hear Peter Chiarelli on the phone, and he's like, okay, Chris, I'm just using the old facsimile machine to send your contract over from the Edmonton Oilers. And he goes, nah. yeah, look, uh, <laughs> Peter, about that, man. Are you sitting down? Um, yeah, look, I've decided I'm going to go to Calgary. And, you know, like, Edmonton's got Connor, and you've got Luch. And, you know, like, I'm sure it's a lovely place, but Not for fuck, me. my friends at Boston tell me you're quite the fuck hat. I'm going to go to Calgary instead. So I was... But mostly, not Soz. And sorry, let me tell you this. Sorry. I just did the maths real quick. They're only paying Vestig about 120 grand a month. That's pretty good. That's pretty good money. He can give him 30, 35 points for that. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. And they also picked up um, Nick Grossman on a one-year deal for a sh- just shy of 600K. Um, but That's they not also, bad. They had some movement um, as well um, in terms of their um, leadership group. They've um, added the Mighty Morphin Brower Ranger and your boy, Sean Monaghan, to their alternate captain list. 
I did see that. I'm a huge Sean Manahan, Monaghan fan I and know. a big Troy Brow fan. I know. They both deserve the A. A for fucking A. Please stop. <laughs> Does that upset you? Not as much as you thought it would. Um, so, uh, Damn it. I was really hoping that would upset you more. Nah, no. I've got a fresh... I have a fresh uh, ale here, Cameron, so I, I'm far more looser than usual. Um, I'm actually drinking a chai tea, which is quite refreshing. Hey, I said probably the gayest thing I've ever said at work today, and I'm going to say it out loud now. I walked up to one of my colleagues and I said, I don't care how gay this makes me sound. I really like peppermint tea. Fuck you. True story. Should we edit this bit out? Definitely not. <laughs> Have we ever edited anything out? Yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the Canes... Um, Finally got rid of Brody Sutter and picked up Connor Brinkley instead from Florida. Um, yeah, that's a nothing deal. Who interesting cares? move because uh, no one cares. Um, Do you know what I care about? Tell I me, care yeah, about you can have this one. Size five foot four, Nathan Gerby, being told by the Rangers he's getting assigned to the minors <laughs> and he's refused to do it. His contract's been terminated and he's going to Switzerland. How many? Uh, yeah, nah, moves have there been in the last few days? I know heaps, and they're all hilarious, by the way. <laughs> well, I guess I guess these older dudes are like, you know what? Yeah, I could get paid more money in the minors in America, but I've made a lot of money in my career already. I may as well go home to Europe, play a less physical brand of hockey, still get paid pretty good money and be closer to my family. That's cool. That's his journey, man. I'm still going to tease you about it, though. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so I think in potentially one of the more interesting off-season moves... The Devils picked someone up, Cameron, and it was your boy, P.A. Parentow, who, the way uh, the Islanders just dropped on the waivers, uh, what, two days ago after trying him out? Yeah. It didn't work out. It just didn't work out. This was a real, this was a real head-scratcher. So he finished with 41 points for the Leafs last year, who were the lowest-scoring team in the NHL. The Isles picked him up with the purpose of putting him on the Tavares line because when they played together in 2011 and 12, he went off the 60-plus points. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the chemistry wasn't there in training camp. They cut him, and they've paired Tavares with two rookies. Um, I think this is great. I think the Devils, who are also a very, very poor scoring team last year, have picked up someone who's proven he's good for 40 points in a rubbish scenario. So I think that'll be really good for him, or situation, I should say. Um, But I think the more interesting wrinkle... Is the Islanders, I don't feel, have done enough to address John Tavares' wingman. And given that he is the next high-profile free agent that's going to be eligible for a bidding war, have they done enough to keep him interested? I don't think so. I think he's going to be fairly cut. And he's still quite young, even though he looks like, you know, 100. Um, oh, he looks he looks old as balls. but Yeah, yeah he looks like he's in his mid-50s, but he's really only like 27 or something ridiculous. Um, so that being said... I think they probably needed to do a little bit more to address it. I'm sure he's a legend and he's just like, fuck it, I'll play with whoever. I don't even care. But like, you know, come contract time, he'll obviously be looking to his left and looking to his right and going, who the fuck are these nobodies? Get me out of here. Um, So I'm certain that there's going to be, that's definitely going to come into question, particularly when he's like, how long do I want to stay playing with these, you know, no talent nobodies? It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be all of a three second decision for him. I think at the end of the day. The, the one thing that could turn this around, though, is, I mean, those two kids could go absolutely off. They could have incredible chemistry. It could be like Connor Sheary with Crosby. 
It could be, you know, Benino and Haglin with Kessel. Like, those kids could be absolutely wild. So this conversation would be irrelevant. We, we just don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see. I feel like we're about 85% right, though. Well, yeah, we usually are. So it is what it is. Hey, <laughs> we'll just burn through the last of the interesting waiver pickups quickly so we can move on to the good stuff. Um, the Pens have claimed Mike Condon off waivers from the Habs. Um, Condon turned in an absolute blinder in the Winter Classic earlier this year when the Habs torched the Bruins, so fuck you, Mike. Um, the Leafs picked up Seth Griffith off waivers from the Bruins. That's really disappointing because he's been one of the AHL's leading scorers. He just couldn't ever put it together for Boston. Maybe it'll work out in Toronto. Probably not. Probably, yeah, um, I was going to say, probably not. So let's talk about the more important hilarious cuts. What are the more important, hilarious ones? As in the dudes who were picked up for a quote-unquote professional tryout and have been using oh, the professional words. You're talking about Brandon Prust, aren't you? <laughs> of course I am. And and, and my uh, my brother's favorite, uh, Rutu, who usually plays with his boy Tutu, and let's just say have been rubbish since I've seen them play yeah. ever. I actually feel kind of bad for Brandon Pruss because when he got traded last time, I read a little piece where he's like, I was in a hotel with my wife and we were holidaying and I got fucking traded from, was it Montreal to Vancouver? And, you know, my wife was crying because she just made friends and we'd settled. And I was like, man, these people are human beings. Sometimes it's easy to forget that. So I kind of feel bad that it didn't work out for him. Um, I still feel like there's a spot for him somewhere in the league. I could see him landing a small contract with another team. So, fingers crossed for him. I do legitimately wish him well. Yeah, he'll probably pick something up after someone gets injured. So, he probably won't be sitting yeah. for too much longer, um, let's be honest. And in injury news, Sid is back up on his skates and he is now being upgraded the day-to-day, which is lovely. And that being said, the BJs have put Clarkson onto long-term injury reserve. Lol! That just tells me that they're looking to find a way to bury that contract, son. <laughs> well, what else could it be? What else could it be? Do you, know what, do you know what was interesting for me? And look, I could be a little bit off the money here because, you know, kids develop at different rates. Maybe teams have different plans for them. But the Columbus Blue Jackets kind of shocked a few people when they took Pierre-Luc Dubois in the draft this year. People thought they were going to grab another player. Um, of the other rookies taken higher in the draft, you know, um, they've all pretty much found their way with their teams already. You know, Patrick Laine is a lock to be a second-line winner with the peg and whatnot. Um, I kind of find it funny that a Columbus already going, oh, shit, this kid needs more time in junior. Um, was this always the plan? I don't know, because pretty much everybody else taken around the same point has been deemed NHL ready and is going to start for the big club. Uh-oh. What does that say about the organization to you? Uh, it says that there's some things that are going wrong, Cameron. Well, if we look at the NHL entry draft list, right, for this year, let me bring up the wiki because it's late and, you know... It is late. I don't know all of this off the top of my head, but... So, obviously, Austin Matthews is a lock to start for the Leafs. Line A for the Jets. The aforementioned Dubois with the BJs is being sent down to back to his uh, QMJHL team. Um, Jesse Pujavi is going to get the start with the Oilers. Um, it looks like Matthew Tuchuk is going to get a start with the Flames. Uh, Clayton Keller's on the cusp for Arizona. I know Nylander is maybe for the Sabres. Um, they're talking about Logan Brown maybe getting a crack with the Senators. Um, 
you know, Charlie McAvoy for the Bruins, like, um, he's not making the Bruins this year, but there's a very good chance he picks up some serious time for Providence. Um, they're talking about Jacob Shakroon getting a crack with Arizona already. So that that's a good 10 players I've reeled off that are pretty much big club ready already. I find it very interesting that the Blue Jackets' third pick still needs to cook a little longer in the juniors. Have they made a bad decision? Uh, I think that perhaps... It was an ill or are they being overcautious? I don't know. Well, I maybe they're being overcautious. I, the I don't know. I don't think that. I don't think that they can really afford to be overcautious. They've got some young gun talent. They probably need to bring it in ASAP um, because their last season, in fact, their last two seasons have been not great. So it's has they've had all the promise, but really they've had none of the execution, which means that they need to shake it up now. And if a young gun coming in. Is looking NHL ready? I would. Well, the advice would be very clearly get him the fuck in. Um, I I think they're in real trouble. Um, I'm not going to get fooled by the BJ's again. Last year I was like, look at this roster; they're going to be great, and it was a disaster because you know whatever. Um, it just didn't, they it are didn't obviously work. Like, we, you know, we they're, they're trying to repitch their team and the culture back together. Is John Tortorella the right man to steer that ship, John? Um, probably not. Let's be honest. He's not a culture man. He's a yell at you until you do it right, man. And let's be honest, that doesn't work. Can wear a pair of slacks, though. Oh, can fall over on the ice and break a rib. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> what was that picture someone sent around that said John Tortorella wears piss-stained khakis? <laughs> uh, that was a classic, I believe, Cameron. Uh, anyway, right. we should we should Enough move on to that the good thoughts. stuff. That'll upset me. Let's um, we're gambling men. Let, we let's, are. let's put forth our predictions for the year ahead, given that the season actually starts tomorrow. Tomorrow, which is great, but the Caps don't play until the day after, so I'll only be watching the scores and the fantasy. Although it is a big first day of fantasy for those who do play fantasy, it is the big week, the first week, obviously the ten day week, which uh makes it challenging you uh set all of your weekly re- your uh league records in the first week because why not or the last week before the playoffs um so it's going to be rough cam it always is
Well, my challenge this week is that I'm literally playing myself because I'm playing Liam, whose team I drafted for him because he is one of my best friends slash a massive spud who needed help. So and according to the Yahoo Power Projections, he has the number one ranked team in our league. And you so I've got my your ranking was where? grinding team playing your... Liam's flashy offensive team. Where was, where, was yours, where was your team placed in those rankings? I think it was like six or something, but I've got a couple of rookies in there with no stats, which kills all your averages. So I mean, the, it was, the projections it was nine, don't. The, those of you playing, the projections you know, don't actually mean it was, anything. It was nine, and let me tell you, as a, as a stats fan, Cam would be irate at that. Well, no, because there's no <laughs> value in it. Because I mean, Patrick Line, Patrick Line has got no numbers, which means bang, you've automatically knocked yourself out of the top four spot just by <sighs> more of averages. And then Connor McDavid only played half the games last season, so he's down again. Are you cut? No, I'm not even cut. I think it's really <laughs> funny that I pretty much drafted the best team in the league. I love that you've drafted one, it by proxy. Using one, using one methodology, and then I've drafted my team using another methodology, and it's going to be legitimately interesting to see how the uh, opposing ideas work, considering I constructed both of them. I'm interested to, to see how your, your team drafted by proxy goes. Um I think it's really interesting. It's, it's going to be um, really funny to see how it plays out. And I don't know. I think this year we're going to have a bit more competition. It's going to be a bit closer towards the end of the year. Whereas last year it was a little slow. 
um, towards the end of the year, and the the, the late season grind definitely definitely fell into place in our league last year. I'll be um tell you what's going to annoy me this year. Radko Guda suspended for the first six games. And how many times is he going to get suspended this year? Fucking heaps, probably. <laughs> no, I reckon it'll probably just be the one because the six-game suspension is a pretty fucking hectic way to start the season, hey? Yeah, I like it. I it sends good. a message, but I do also like that he didn't get suspended for the VC hit. And as a lot of other people have said, they've said, you know what? Yeah, VC got hit in the numbers and he got laid the fuck out. He also chose to turn his back to the play at the last second to try and draw a penalty from the incoming Gudis. If you're going to turn your back on a large gentleman trying to kill you, he's probably going to kill you. So the message that I'm guessing they sent for that is, we're going to do our best to protect, uh, protect you forwards. If you put yourself in a stupid situation, at the end of the day, the onus is on you to protect yourself. Hells yeah. And, more importantly... Radcon Gudis is actually a Radcon, so get on that. So let us talk about what we think is going to happen in the Western Conference this year and where we think the top three are going to land in the Pacific Division. All right, so we're starting in the Pacific Division, are we? Of course we are. That's our, one of our favorite divisions because of all the legends that are there. But I think it's easy to lead off. And as top Australians, three. the games often happen at lunchtime, which is very convenient for beers. Yeah. Um, slash whilst I'm eating my tuna, um, which is really lovely on a Sunday afternoon. So um, I think the top three, as as we've as we've already spoken about off air, and you can't go past the Sharks. The Kings are obviously going to be back up there, but obviously I think it's it's time. Um, we've spoken about these this team for quite a while now, Cameron, and the Yotes are obviously mm-hmm. going to be well up in there in the mix. Obviously with their their decor and their dare we say it, their bolstered numbers of young legends coming up and now into their second and do dare we say third years up on, in the big team, starting to kill it. Yeah, look, I think that's a pretty solid top three. I think the only threat to the Yotes being the Smokey for the third slot is probably the Calgary Flames. Um, I think the Sharks are heading into the final year of Thornton and Marlowe's contract, so it, it's hard not to be a little romantic about their chances. Um, they've basically retained the bulk of the roster that went, you know, to the cup last year. Uh, I'm looking for another very big year for them. The only thing that scares me is um, Peter Bauer does have a nasty track record with his second year for a team being an absolute tire fire, but I can't imagine that'll happen on Joe Thornton's watch. No, I do think that Marlowe will get traded mid-year um, at the um, right at the end. They'll extend Thornton for a year, and I think they'll give Marlowe his marching orders at deadline time um, being the first soft um, deadline of the year I think they'll let him go uh, because he's obviously getting old and they'll pick someone up to give them their a little bit of a rider in perhaps even two players with the size of that contract um, to give yeah, him a well, kicker he costs them 6.66 a year and if it gives them the opportunity to get a young winger to the left of um, Logan Couture that could only be a good thing right absolutely and then whoever gets injured in the year basically um, they'll pick someone up to assist in that slot. Um, so, I, I mean, it's, it makes total sense. Um, Look, I think the, the Kings are a really interesting one. Um, they obviously follow their rival, San Jose. Um, they are going to miss the brawn of Lucic, and they're obviously carrying some dead weight with Dustin Brown. But at the end of the day, they've had the summer off. They've regrouped. They do have a good mix of veterans and young talent. They do have a good blue line. 
um, they always churn out really good kids via their farm teams, like the Ontario Rain, um, which is their AHL affiliate, um, and whoever the other one is, is it, you know, well, whatever the third tier one is in the ECHL way. So, They've got a really good track record of grooming young talent. So I think even though they lack a lot of sexy names, um, the Kings are still going to be, uh, yeah, the second best team in the Pacific Division. I think it's hard to look past their decor, to be perfectly honest. Uh, which leads us straight to the Yotes, who I think Love it. are Love it. Very, looking very close, staring down the barrel of a decent playoff run this year. Oh, I don't know if they're going to make a decent playoff run. I just look, I'd just be happy if they break the drought. They haven't been there since 2012. I think if they could get in, that'd be cool. Um, they've obviously got Domi, Declare, and Ekman Larson. They're going to be adding Dylan Strom to that. Tobias Wright has signed on. Martin Hansel, and I think Goligoski and Shen um, gives a little bit more of a sturdy veteran presence to the blue line, which is uh, can only be a good thing. Man, Luke Shen's under the radar handy. Like, yeah, he's a he's a rough, heavy hitting player, but he's surprisingly handy on the score sheet when he wants to be slash needs to be as well. Like, he's got a booming shot on him. They might be able to make more use of it uh, than the Kings did. True, and he occasionally punches dudes, which is right up our alley. And Goligoski is a legend, obviously. Um, and having yeah, a... I'm all I'm all about that action. I'm into it. Exactly. And, what about and... Central Division? Uh, Central Division, obviously, we've taken the Preds, the Stars, and then you can't look past the Blackhawks because somehow they'll make it in. Um, with At trade deadline, they'll do something ridiculous and pick up the most ridiculous players who are at the end. They'll probably have a crack at Marlowe, to be honest. Um, I want to I want to try and put the kibosh on this right now, right? And I'll get to Nashville and Dallas in a minute. Even though I have begrudgingly agreed and said yes, Chicago will finish top three in the Central Division. This is the year they don't make the playoffs. Wow, wow. No, I I don't see it. I think Stan Bowman is too smart of a GM because let's be honest. Look at the big pickups he's made um, pre-deadline over the last few years. Um, to give them a really good run. Um, I think that he is smart enough to be able to pull something off if they are looking terrible. at the In the back half of the year, I think he's smart enough to pull it off and has been able to do so in the last few years. Although last All year right. was his weakest effort, I will say. Let me answer that with this. Let me read you through with their line combinations. Now, top line, Richard Panic, Jonathan Taves, Marion Hosa. Okay, cool. <laughs> Artemi Panarin, Artem Anisimov, and Patrick Kane. Very good. Third line. Tyler Mott, Marcus Kruger, Ryan Hartman. Do you know who two of those three dudes are? No. Do you? Only because I Googled this. <laughs> Fourth line. Fourth line. Vince Hinnestroza, Nick Schmaltz, Jordan Tutu. That's wow. not good, man. Those bottom two lines are horrible. Hey, Deep you know, pairings, you know right? who didn't like Jordan Tutu? The Deep Devils. Pairings, right? How does the How Duncan do you get Keith? a reject Devils player and think yeah. that you're going to make it? You know, I. All right, fair enough. I see your point. All right, Dave pairings. Duncan Keith. They've had to put him with Trevor Van Riemsdyk because Van Riemsdyk's not ready to carry a pair on his own. No, no. good. Gustav Forsling with Brian Campbell. Brian Campbell was 37 this year, and the Panthers deemed him expendable. Yeah, that's not great. Final all... pairing, Brent Seabrook. Have you heard of his defensive partner, Michael Kempney? Who's that? 
Exactly. Pretty much only Chicago and Rockford Ice Hogs fans would know who the fuck that is. Jesus. Based off that, unless they can pull off something seriously impressive at the trade deadline, which they this usually is the year do. the Blackhawks aren't making the playoffs. Wow. No, I think I think the saving grace will be their their um their deadline moves, which they always do, and they always bring in legends because it's Chicago. Um, but is that still relevant this year? Is that it's Chicago? We can guarantee you a shot at the cup thing going to work when people look at that roster and go, I don't think you can guarantee me a shot at the cup. Well, maybe not, but their let's be honest though, the last few years their trade deadline moves have been impeccable um, to the point that they've got no money. No, not anymore. So they, you're right. So the Panarin, um, I guess, overachievement award um, was obviously a bit of a thorn in their side in terms of salary cap and then obviously pumping all their cash into four dudes. Pretty rough. So it's going to be pretty hard for them. But, you know, it's the Blackhawks. You can never rule them out. They are somehow like Teflon. Nothing really sticks. They're obviously stinking a little harder this year, so they'll be a little easier to beat. But that being said, Kane's still Kane and Taser is still Taser, so it's going to be hard to look past them. I think this is going to be an interesting watch this space. Hey, obviously, Crawford's still a legend, which we know we turned the corner on that late last year. Um, yeah. With the Crow being a legend, well, obviously being a standout legend. So, you know, you can never go past them. And like we've said many times on this show before, you just can't look past them. It's true. Like, they they are like Teflon. They will always find a way. Um, so All right. Just, just to keep things interesting then, for the sake of an interesting show, that's cool. I agree with you. I see all your points. It is hard to doubt them. I'm going to go the other way and just say the Blackhawks aren't making the playoffs. That's sick. Um, I, I want to say something positive for a minute, though. The Nashville Predators are so high on them. No team in the league's got a better defensive group than the Preds. They've got Saban, they've got Yossi, um, Ryan Ellis. It, it's a fantastic group, and they're all young. They're going to have them forever and a day. The only thing that worries me about the Preds, like I think they're going to be fine up front. They've got Johansson, they've got Neil, they've got Forsberg. Um, they got Mike Fisher. They're going to score goals, right? That's not a problem. Defense is fantastic. Pekka Rene has not looked Pekka Rene for 18 months. Um, Going on two years now, Those hip injuries are a real concern. If he can get his shit together, they're a legitimate cup contender. But if he goes, if he goes down, they're in real trouble. Yeah, it's another almost Montreal last season situation. Um, where well, the goalie goes down and it becomes all too painful for the team in front. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. It's another one of those things. The goalie's the shaky piece of the puzzle, and it's always going to be... I mean, Rene has just, like you said, he's just not looked like himself for probably since the back half of 2014, which is pretty rough. Well, let me put this to you. Nashville, and look, I'd have to look at the finances... A Nashville, one of the teams that may make an offer to the Bulls for Ben Bishop. Uh, a deadline, so at the back half, at the, at the soft target, potentially, unless the Bolts give uh, looking the goods and give him the cash to keep him for another season just to get them through. Nah, they won't do it because Vasilevsky is looking too good. Here's the other one for you. Given their absolute desperation for defense and Nashville's absolute surplus of defense... Are the Rangers an option, man, Mr. Lundqvist? It could be, but I don't think the Rangers are going to get rid of their only good piece. Um, I think they're going to just hang on to him until 
he basically dies in the net at 75. So hang on to him and not give him a chance at a cup. What a way to send out one of your favourite sons. Well done, New York. Well done. But you knew you knew that was the answer while you when you wrote that there. So. Well, yeah, and last but not least, the Dallas Stars. They're a lock for the 2017 postseason. Their offense is red hot. However, once again, they've got the Niemi Letton in tandem in goal, which they did not address in the offseason. It did the job between October and April. It will not cut it come playoff time. The Dallas Stars, their floor is the semifinals. Their ceiling is the conference finals. They cannot win a Stanley Cup with that fucking goaltending tandem. How's there still got... They're still putting faith in Niemi and Letton, and how is that still a fucking thing? I couldn't even believe that. I don't that. think they are putting faith in them. They just weren't able to do anything about it. I don't like think they've got the money to do. Forward with them. They just couldn't do anything about it. I don't think they've got the money to deal with it. And so they're also quite old in terms of goalies. Um, well, it, it, it wasn't gonna money, be though. It's just if they, whichever teams they were doing deals with, they had to take one of those goalies back in the deal. No one wanted them. It was as simple as that. Yeah, like no one's gonna pick up a Niemi or a Lettinen. Like no one's no one's taking that. Like the Sharks must be thanking their lucky stars they got rid of him. Oh man. Hey, Western Wildcards. Um St. Louis Blues are my number one wildcard. Um Easy after They've last lost year, a lot absolutely. of talent though. They obviously lost your boy Brow to Calgary, Brian Elliott to Calgary, um, David Backus obviously went to Boston. Um, I think picking up Carter Hutton's a really good backup for them though, who was the Nashville backup. Mm-hmm. Um, and they picked up David Perron, Kyle Brodziak's an underrated dude, and Robbie Fabry's really good. Um, I've got the Blues locked in as a wild card, though, because I am concerned that Ken Hitchcock's victory lap slash the uh, grooming of Mike Yo um, could turn into something a little farcical and derail the whole team. Yeah, I have a feeling the old, you know, the classic passing of the of the you know, of the hat. Um, may occur sooner than they like it after the Blues start losing some games. Um, and Mike is yeah. obviously, um, you know, sitting there in the in the GM's office like, hey man, you put me here for a reason. It's time to let Ken, Big Ken go. Um, I think it's going to turn into an awkward, potentially dire situation um, if they start losing. Um, so that's, that's going to be the big thing. If St. Louis can't win and win early... Um, you're going to see it all fall apart. It's like it's basically a house of dominoes. It's essentially being held on by you know a couple of pieces of sticky tape and some and some chewing gum. It's all like a strong wind's going to come through and just cause disaster in the Midwest. So it's going to be very. Well, I, I think they've got out. enough tank in the tank to secure a wild card spot. I am um, I do, but um, the things we just talked about are most definitely a concern. Side note. I would not be surprised to see Kevin Shattenkirk get traded at some stage this year. There's still all that talk buzzing around of sending him to the Rangers. Um, I'm know, surprised having, he's still there, having, to be honest. Having, yeah, it'd be, it'd be weird seeing Rick Nash as a St. Louis Blue. Um, I'm not sure what value he adds to that team. So <laughs> yeah. I, just I was going to say, like, what value does he possibly add there? Like, <laughs> People still like him, dude. People still believe in Rick Nash. No, no, no. Rangers fans still believe in him. That's a difference. No, people do. Like, general hockey fans. Like, yeah, no, Nash is still good. I'm like... No, he's not. Have you watched him play in the last two years? He's essentially... Like, you know how we make fun of Phil Kessel, but he's actually a legend? He's just all the bad things we say about Phil Kessel, but we can't be bothered repeating. Uh, Yeah, right. Um, My other wild card... Um, The other wild card, which we'll cover quickly, is Winnipeg. Um... So obviously they've kept their their lineup of legends. Um, I think 
you know, my boy Brian Little's still there um, heading up the second line. Um, the Aliage, um, Chafal and Wheeler line is going to pretty be pretty good looking this year. It all comes down to goaltending again. Um, it's they've been always they've looked shaky um, over the last couple of years, and so it's going to be big test for them. Um, so you know, it's going to be one of those years. I do hope that they get through. Um, there's some absolute legends that play on that team and some absolute fantasy gold, by the way. Um, if you look yeah. at my man, Brian Little, he is an absolute legend. Um, Line is going to look good. I think it's all it's all interesting stuff, Cameron. But it, well, like this, a, the, this all is these definitely our biggest reach. It is, but... Bruce Boudreau, Bruce Boudreau has a really good knack of getting teams to kill a regular season. So he should turn the Minnesota Wild. Uh, he should keep them moving forward and Colorado will improve. Um, I just think Winnipeg are the more fun team out of those three teams, and I want to watch them more. I'd like to see them get a little more success. Oh, they're um, an interesting team to watch. They were always good to watch last year. It's just they were losing all the time. Yeah, I, and I just really want to watch like as much Patrick Laine hockey as I can. I just think he's going to be a really fun player, a really fun, passionate player. Yeah, I mean, obviously, over the next few years, he's going to continue to grow, and it's only going to get better. And you've written here OV 2.0, which is hilarious. So I'm keen to watch a few games, to be honest. Well, I just like the fact that he's a young dude that's been taken to a small market team, and he doesn't seem too upset by it. He's like, yeah, I'm fucking stoked to be in Winnipeg, man. I'm like, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when Eichel talks about Buffalo being mad. I'm like, good on you, yeah. kid. <laughs> All right, um, let's... Let's move out east. To Let's the, zip uh, through the Eastern Division. Conference because we're, we're topping out at 45 minutes here, Cam. Well, let's let's get this movie along because I'm tired. I am tired. It's also been a very long day and I'm just about to conclude my beer. So, obviously in the Met Metro Metro. So, this is an easy one. The Pens, um, the Caps and the Flyers are the top, top three. The, they were obviously the hardest working teams at the end of last year. Um, the Caps yep. obviously did not have a great time. Um, the Pens are obviously looking like with the team being as it is and well-rested now, they're going to be a, pretty much a lock for a, um, a close-to-back-to-back -to -back situation unless they have a lot of injuries, which will mean they will not have the money to address it, which will mean yes. no playoffs for them. Um, the Caps are obviously going to be right up on my heels. Obviously, this year, they've picked up a couple of good dudes. I think the Caps are going to be BAU. I also think the Pens are going to be BAU, which means the Smokey there really is the Flyers, and they were yep. absolutely killing it at the end of last year. And I think that with, like you've written here, the breakouts of Braden, Shen, Braden and Big Claude Giro, um, and of course their superstar Wayne Swint Simmons, it's going to be very hard to look past them um, as, a, as a lock for the playoffs, particularly with... Um, you know, the goalie performances at the end of last year, um, particularly yes. playoffs, you know, it's going to be hard. Stevie Mason's... I, I, I think the Flyers are definitely the most interesting team in this division. And um, the way I try and look at it is, you know, aside from the team who I root for being Boston, who do I want to watch as a fan and just enjoy? Um, I like watching Winnipeg. I like watching Dallas. And I love watching Flyers, especially this incarnation of them. Like you said... Um, Shen with Giroux and Simmons is going to be awesome. Um, they need a hell of a lot more out of Jacob Voracek this year, and I think Sean Couturier needs to take the next step as well. Um, is, is Voracek in, the, in a position to be traded this year? Because if so, I think they'd be silly to look past, um, particularly because his stocks have probably gone up since they picked him up, so they could probably 
make a move on that if they needed to. But that being said, you're right. Philly do have some very interesting games. And every time I watch them play the Caps, it's always a very stressful game. Um, and the best games to watch last year were actually Philly v. Um, v. The Pens, which was just out of control. Um, so I think the Metro division is going to be tight as usual, um, but it's going to be obviously the top three, the Caps, the Pens, um, and the Flyers. Uh, almost. Well, the only out. other thing I was going to say that's interesting is they're going to have two versions of the Ghost Bear because you've got Gostas Vieira and then Ivan Provorov. Um, they've confirmed has made the roster out of training camp, who's obviously another young um, jet, you know, offensively minded jet on the blue line. So they're going to have a lot of scoring punch coming from their defenders. I think they're going to be a really tough to beat, really interesting, well-balanced team. And I love the coaching that they get from Hextall. Um, you know, he's, he plays a bit more of a run and gun style that he's taken from his time in the NCAA system. He's not afraid to gamble. Um, he's not scared to take risks, and I think that kind of shows in the way that they play their game. I'm really excited to watch them play. Yeah, they were great all last season, and to be honest, they put the squeeze on the Caps um, in the final uh, two games of their playoff series, which they were, to be honest, never really going to win, but made it very difficult for the Caps. So um, this year, I think it'll be much the same story, but geez, they're getting better. Well, let's move on to the Atlantic Division, and I think this is a really simple one. It's pretty much the Battle of Florida. Um, I yeah. think the Eastern Conference Final, you, you, you would be struggling for it to be anything other than the Lightning versus the Panthers, which would be um, an NHL media relations Batman absolute nightmare because I'm sure they would be absolutely filthy if um, you know the Atlantic Division came down to two Floridian teams in the worst rating market in the National Hockey League. That would be off it. <laughs> and let's be honest, how's the balls on the GM um, of the Panthers going, fuck it, we're all in, and to the point that he's going, well, we're all in, but we're also building a, you know, a closet out of the out of control team with too many awesome dudes to name, so they're going to be just ridiculously hard to play against this year with obviously having some absolute legends on their blue line and in goal. It's gonna, they've, they've just got almost a perfect lineup. But you know what does concern me, Cameron? These are the exact what? same things that we said about the BJs two years ago. So I'm, 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 I'm just being careful here. But what I am saying is I feel like the mix is better than with the, the original BJs mix that we pumped up so hard. Dude, look look down the center of the Panthers. Oh. Alexander Barkov, Vincent Trocek, Nick Bookstad. Um, Hubert Howe's obviously injured, but he'll be back. You know, on your wings, you've got Yago, Riley Smith, their blue line, Ekblad, Yandel, Demir. Dude, the oh, Panthers are going to be sick, exactly. and the Bolts are just as sick. You've got, um, you know, Palat, Johnson, Kucherov, um, Stamkos, Drouin, Hedman, Stallman. It's, um, it's sorry, Strawman. Like, both teams are very, very stacked, very well matched. I cannot wait to watch them play each other. Yeah, I'm hanging just to watch Florida beat down on dudes because everyone still goes to Florida thinking that they're just going to walk in and walk out with a win. Like, yeah, it's it's granted people in Florida don't care. Granted, no one ever goes. But what I will say is I think that people are going to be scared to show up now because Florida looks sick and they're going to actually smash you. Moving to getting smashed, the last team which we've snuck in here, who just missed out last year by about two and a half points. Um, One point. Are your bees, and I think they're probably going to make it this year. 
We'll call it wishful thinking. Like you said, we're tipping the big bad bees to uh, go back to the dance after their two-year drought. Um, David Backus on the top line. I was hesitant at first because we paid overs. He's looked good in the preseason, man. So Backus, Bergeron, Marchi, all about it. Um, Pastrnak and Krejci is going to be great with Bolesky. Vitrano's out injured, but we've got this kid, Danton Heinen, um, who we grabbed from Denver, as in the collegiate system. I think he's going to make the uh, make the roster. He'll kill it. Um, defense is still an issue, but I've loved what I've seen from Brandon Carlo in the preseason. Uh, Joe Morrow appears to have grown a little bit, and I still think we could be a shot at Jacob Truba. So I think we're back, baby. Yeah, I think it's looking good, man. So I, I can't, I can't hate on the bees too much this year. I mean, I really like David Backus, and I have since the start. And I said you guys picking them up was probably the smartest move that you guys have made in the last four years. Um, mm. I think Boleski was a pretty decent move for you in the end. Um, it's it's pretty interesting that like I think the most interesting part about Boleski is he's literally the same player, just like from um, when they, when he was playing at Anaheim and. It's made no difference in terms of like him playing at Anaheim, him playing for the Bees. I just think it's a really good move. Um, I think Erhoff, the whole, you know, fuck you, really interesting. Um, Tory Krug, great player to watch, great player to watch grow. Um, I think it's, I think you're right on the money. The Bees are probably looking to, they'll be less of a cusp team, more of a threat this year. Um, yeah. But that being said, they've got some pretty, pretty big rivals in the east which i think they will struggle to get past aka all of those in the metro um and the guys that are below them which are um younger more aggressive teams who don't have anything to lose such as the isles and the canes and the devils who are a smoky the real the real kicker for me is going to be or for us i should say is um, I do expect to see one of the stay-at-home defensemen get moved, be it Miller or McQuaid. Um, I do think we'll see Carlo graduate from the AHL and become a legitimate top-four D-man in the NHL, and that could be sooner rather than later. Still got Colin Miller kicking around the fringes, and I think we're a shot at Truba. Everyone agrees Boston's the right location for him. So we'll see what happens, man. Who are our wild cards? Uh, obviously, Isles and the Canes, but I think we've missed out on the Devils. Um, I think the Devils are an outside smoky as well. Just on the amount nah, of legends they're, they they're pick a poorly up. constructed team, man, and they can't play defense. Like, I, don't, I reckon yeah, if they, they got, can get it together. They got Caleb Hall, they got Parentau. We know we love Zajac. They've got Henrik, um, that Pavel, uh, what's his name? Pavel Zaka or whatever his name is yeah. coming through. If like, they can win some good, games, it's going to be it. interesting. And they've got Corey Schneider. The, their defense is fucked, dude. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think you could even name one, like, one of their D-men. In fact, I'm not even going to Google it because I know I don't know any of them. Damon, um, Damon Severson is the only D-man I like on that roster. There you go. And there's one dude that you've, and you've pronounced his name poorly. So, um, there's... No, I didn't. That's correct. It's Damon Severson. <laughs> um, so, the Isles of the First, Smokey, um, a.k.a. Wildcard. I don't know if they're really going to make it, but losing... I feel like they lost way too much over the break um, and their additions were not nearly enough um, they picked up Chimmer from the Caps great move great vibe guy um, I don't know and Lad obviously as well yeah, and Lad I mean Lad's just an absolute legend but again I don't know if Tavares has got enough um, 
to, uh, to basically back him up while he's not on the ice. Um, essentially making him play, you know, 38 minutes as a wing, as a center is going to be pretty rough on him. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree that they're probably going to win enough games to be threatening, but I don't think they're going to be too threatening. But I think the next one on this list, the Canes are... Oh, before, before we move on, do you know how I want to spin this? Their biggest loss, aside from Kyle Poso is Matt Martin breaking up that fourth line, oh. which was um, Kazika's Clutterbuck Martin was a huge mistake. And I liken this to when the Bees let Sean Thornton walk, we lost our heart and soul. Yeah, I feel like Matt Martin was the heart and soul of that years. locker room. Yeah. I, yeah, you know what? That's a good point, Cam. See, it's all about the vibe. And so taking us to our final point of the night, which is I, I agree with you. I think the Canes are... Whilst we're saying it's ambitious, but I think there's some magic there, and I think that they are ready for some might say a breakout year with so many legends on the list. Let's just rattle them off: Style, Skinner, Rask, Stepniak, Lindholm, Teravine, and Stahlberg. It's going to be pretty obvious that they're they're good to go if they can figure out a way Noah to Hannifin, score. He's going to step up again this year. He's yeah, yeah. Be red hot. So if they can figure out a way to score with that with that lineup and then if they can figure out a way to, to get Falk to be less of a liability and Hannafin to just be to keep going and if they swap their dead shit goalie Cam Ward and get Eddie Lack to actually nail it down I think they're going to be a real threat um, you reckon there'll be Dallas version 2 this year where it'll be they accept that their defense sucks so rather than trying to stop goals they'll just try and score 7 a night yeah I think that's well that's that's just going to have to be the way they play. No offense. <laughs> like, yeah. there's like, you can only, like, Falk's an offensive D-man. Um, I think it's too hard to expect the other, th- like, the other four dudes beneath him to essentially hold it down. Um, there's too many scoring legends there to really look past. I mean, Eddie Lack's actually a really good goalie. Um, Cam Ward's terrible and I don't know why they gave him a bridging deal to keep him there um, they gave him a two year deal for no reason apparently unless he gives really good gobbies um, there can't be <laughs> to be honest like I don't, I can't understand why but um, that being said I think they're a real shot um, they're an interesting team great team to watch even though they stunk up last year they only stunk because they couldn't score they're actually really fun to watch so um, watching them win some games this year is going to look sick uh, and it's going to be really hard to sit next to Ben for most of the year <laughs> fair call yeah. alright man well that pretty much wraps it up it does oh man Jesus 10.30 we've been talking for almost exactly one hour and I'm extremely tired so we should wrap it up there we should and before we leave though we will say do the usual check out our socials at Holy Puck Podcast. Uh, hit our website, holypugpodcast.com. Now that the season's kicking off, the content will be updated three or four times a week. We've got a fantasy blog. Um, our socials are all very active. We appreciate it. If you've got a minute, make sure you chuck us a review on iTunes because more review equals higher rankings, which is good for us. And yeah, and make sure you uh, obviously go check out our boys at Cheapskate Hockey. Yeah, man. So, I mean, it's, it's been pretty good. Um, I think this season's going to be real fun. Um, I'm not, I, I do think that the, the, the top of the table, um, AKA, um, the power of the, of the East, um, is going to continue. I don't think, I think the, the days of the West dominating are, are coming closer to an end. 
Um, and because we saw some real top play out of out of the East last year, so I think that's going to continue this year. And hopefully the Pens stay healthy because um, I think injuries are a real concern for them this year um, because they've got so much cash riding in so many dudes. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be like if they lose two dudes and it's going to be rough. And then obviously with Gino being injury prone and Sid obviously um, not being able to take a hit, it's going to be rough. Um, but that's it, man. Episode 29. Uh, I had a good time. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Dude, and guess what? I just finished my beer. Perfect. Oh, Peace. Done. <laughs>